we're back at the ranch. You got out of the podcast last week because you were packing up to leave me for 75 days. <laughs> Five. Could be argued four and a half, probably. It was only four day and a half days? No. Tuesday to Sunday. That's five days. Yeah, but Tuesday was a travel day and Sunday was a travel day. We were day. gone. <laughs> we were gone. <laughs> I was home Sunday night. Whatever. Yeah. So oh, okay, you're so back. five days. So let's count it for what it was. 75. And, and Edie says today, happy first day of being back. <laughs> so well, we were counting them down, but the girls were really, really good. Did they get to shoot bows? No, but they... No. Did they say they wanted to? I don't know. We did a lot of girl stuff. We did a lot of nails, and we did movie night, and we hung out with the cousins. It's all a blur. <laughs> went but to school, hopefully. We went to school. Um, played. Yeah. I don't know. Did you do anything on the weekend? The weekend... I canned more tomatoes. <laughs> is that and, spaghetti sauce? Or is that what is it? Did What'd spaghetti you make? sauce. Okay, so those is one, it Mrs. two. Mrs. Wedges or whatever her name is? <laughs> wages, wedges. No, I wedges. didn't have that. I didn't have the. Okay, so I did my own recipe. But, okay, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the smaller jars. Do you know how many tomatoes made just only that much? Like, seven pounds of tomatoes made only that much tomato sauce because you have to boil it down so much. Mm -hmm. And um, that's not worth it. <laughs> was it good? Did you eat it? Was well, that the spaghetti from last mm -hmm. night? Did you try it? No, I put it in the fridge. I don't... It's it's good. It's fresh. Like, it tastes good. But I don't know. I think I probably would have put more Italian seasoning in it. But by the time I was... I boiled it for, like, three hours to try to get it to thicken up. So I need so better tips. So boiled all the flavor out? No. I don't know. I, I don't didn't know the boil rules. the flavor out. I boiled the... <laughs> I'm a little punchy right now. We just uh, had to unload all of my... All of the things that you tell your husband at the end of long days, he just had to hear it I got all. The, I got the five-minute condensed version. None of it was good. I might have <laughs> cried a little, <laughs> but we're back. <laughs> It's fine. We made it. This is why you need someone in your life that can just handle that. But also Chad has to have a lesson, as many men do, in not trying to fix the issue. Apparently, you don't say, just let it go. To a woman. It's <laughs> not a good idea. You do not say, let it go to a woman who is having a moment of rage. And you do not, the same way. I didn't say calm down. That you don't say calm down. I didn't say that. But those are just two hot tips for anyone who wants to know how to stay, keep it out of the weeds. In case you're totally clueless like I am. You just forgot because you were with a bunch of boys for 17 days. We solved all of the world's problems. I know. All I could tell. You came back pretty confident. I had to bring you down a few notches. But tell me about your trip. We haven't really talked very much because you got home and then it was bedtime and then I left and then, yeah, it's bedtime again, so. Yeah, I don't know. Met up with friends, went out, I brought my horses, so that was a learning experience because I've never really brought them anywhere. Learned what 
what you do need, what you don't need, that kind of stuff. But I went to the, I call it the mini mountains, mm. where we were in Montana, and it's not the mountains, but it's bigger than the Badlands, so I don't... You were, like, yeah. south of Miles City? Yeah. Okay. Like, fairly close to Wyoming. Mm. I mean, half hour, maybe, from Wyoming, mm -hmm. something like that. And everything's gravel and time. There's no cell service. It's weird. So you, where we actually camped, if I was in the camper, or, like, if you went 10 feet away from, we kind of had, like, the base camp set up with, like, the shade tent and all that stuff. Right in that spot, there was, like, if you had Verizon, you had one bar. Oh, really? If you didn't have Verizon, you had none. But if you went 10 feet over to the side, mm -hmm. then if you had Verizon, you had, like, three bars. And if you had, Weird. what, AT&T, I think the other guys had, then you had, like, enough to talk. Oh, okay. But it wasn't, like, not great. Verizon just works better there, but mm. yeah, it was last time I was there, we had like zero service. You had mm. to climb to the top of the highest thing you could That's find, crazy. and then you got some. But well, what's the nearest town over there? Broadus. Oh, but we were, is Broadus pretty small? Yeah, okay, yeah, you're far from Broadus, yeah, but yeah, we were, I don't know, 30 miles or something, but it's 30 miles of gravel. Oh, wow. So, yeah. We're remote. Sort of basically the middle of. So you're hunting. Well, you didn't have a tag, but you were helping scout elk. So, yeah, every every year for the last couple of years, like a group of us have all put in for elk tags in Montana. And as it turns out, like last year, only one guy got a tag. This year, only one guy got a tag. So the rest of us just go and whatever. So I brought horses because last year, all we did was look for elk. So we walked. 10 miles a day every day that's mm. all we did this year i'm like i'm bringing horses i'm not doing that again mm -hmm. well they left a couple you're 40 now and frail just that's saying. not because i can't it's because <laughs> i didn't want to okay and i want to ride horses so anyway those guys found elk like the very first day so then the guy with the tag would go with him and one other person usually because you don't have too many people in there and they hunted like they hunted the elk and they kind of rotated for who went with them or whatever. But I basically brought my horses and took people trail riding. <laughs> that's yeah. kind of what I did for five days is just, okay, that's nice. Out. Let's go. One day it rained all day. So nobody really did anything that day, but mm. it, was it was hot one day. Oh, one day it was 104. Jeez. I went riding that day, but I went early in the morning and it was mm. nice. And then it got 104. That's and then there was no gross. That was just hot. The wind was hot. Ugh, the, yeah. Everything was just hot. So that, that could have been could have been better, but well, was it nice to get away? Yeah, it was great reset vacation. Mm -hmm. Come back to the real world now, and I just walk around going, "Oh man, there's lots to do." Yeah. Well, the girls missed you. But. But they said they forgot about you at school, so that was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. Everybody that went, they all, like, we all have little kids. So anywhere from, I don't know, like, one years old up to seven, I think, mm -hmm. is the oldest kid for the people that were there. So everyone had little kids that were, Yeah. they were missing home, and home was missing them. And, so you and like, the other guys that were there, they were there for... 10 days. That's a long time. So they were, they were on a long trip. Did they have campers? No. They had a tent and a oh. trailer. 
So, like, Lee slept on his cot in the... In a tent? No, the two guys slept in the tent. And it's like the Taj Mahal of tents. This tent oh. is crazy. It has a dog door. It has oh. a closet. Like, okay. It's like a Bismarck guy tent. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a phenomenal tent. And then they had, like, air... Like, they had a pretty nice setup. And then Lee slept on a cot in the um, enclosed trailer. Oh. Okay. And he thought that was... Fine. Plum comfortable. I was very comfortable. Well, yeah, you have the pickup camper, the pickup camper and the bumper pull trailer, two horses. You guys rolled in last night and opened the back of the trailer and those horses were like, I think like, oh my God, get me out of here. All your stuff in front of them. Oh yeah, it was funny. And, and I knew they were going to do it. So I got home and let them out. Like they've been locked in for five days and riding and doing stuff and fenced up. And so that was one thing I learned about that. So I, you can't bring feed to Montana unless, like, to the federal oh. grounds. Unless, and I don't know the specific rules, but it has to be, like, certified Inspected. and all that kind of. So I just had, like, I had sweet feed and I had alfalfa pellets and they had some, like, bagged up hay stuff that I got at Tractor Supply. Did you have to buy it in Montana? No, because that oh. stuff is... That's okay. Which, yeah, it has to be like certified weed free. Ooh, you can't so get like, it from the ranch. Like, oh, I, I couldn't just yeah. bring my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. So, anyway, they were getting like mega protein shakes every mm-hmm. day. You know, I didn't. That's why your didn't, horse was I didn't on overfeed them. them or anything, <laughs> but the first day I'm like, man, both of these, like, your horse was walking faster than I've ever seen him walk ever. <laughs> and my horse is always a little bit more ready to go. But I'm like, this is crazy. And I was kind of getting frustrated. Then I started thinking about it. I'm like, well, it's basically <laughs> like they've been living on energy bars for two days. <laughs> and and, not, and really. not getting to do anything. Yeah. So then when I, I brought them home and I let them out and they just took off. So it took me <laughs> it took me over an hour because we're going to go move cows, oh, move yeah. cows in the morning. So I had to go get them back in today. And it took over an hour to find them. Like... They, oh. were, they were gone. They were like, freedom. Yeah, so I was tooling around the side by side trying to find them. And finally they heard me and came out of the trees like, hey, got any grain in there? <laughs> now you might be, yeah, Gizmo might be more friendly. My horse went and he always like looks like he's, and acts like he's just barely tolerating you. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's such a good horse, but yeah, he's not like friendly. Yeah, no, he's so good, but he doesn't, like, don't catch him, don't touch him. I was like, oh, fine, we're going, and then he'll do anything you ask of him, but, like, yeah. Yeah, so they were, like, the horses were really good, and we had lots of really good rides. It was, it was fun. And I turned 40 on the 5th, so I had to tell those guys what being in 40s is like. Yeah, the first one. (laughs) How has it been? You have a week or two a week. What day is it? Yeah, a little more than a week under your belt of being... Yeah, I don't feel a day over 39. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I have a... Yeah, I I stained the um, play set because I thought... That was ambitious. I saw that stain sitting there and I thought, well, is this a hint that I'm supposed to do something? Or did you do something? And then I saw the empty... Like the used pail thing that was in the back of the side by side. I'm like, oh nope, somebody I got else after did something. It. I wanted. I had a goal when you were gone the weekend. I was gonna finish dealing with my garden stuff because it just keeps coming. The tomatoes just keep coming out my ears, 
And then I was going to stain or paint something around here. <laughs> and that seemed like the most approachable, the little place set. And then I was just getting nostalgic because it's like, remember when we got that and they were so little, mm-hmm. that play set? And now they are like big and doing the monkey bars and like, they're not going to be playing on that that much Well, the longer. crazy thing about that, it's a really nice swing set that we got. But like the monkey bars are so Huge. high. Yeah. That they can't use the monkey bars until they're pretty big much kids. until they're too big to use yeah. the rest of the stuff. I know it's like, kind of it's weird. I mean, they've been using it, but yeah. they finally are the size now that they can do it well, and then they're getting big for it. So, so I have <clears> a funny <throat> Rosie story for you, and I this shows the parent parent of the year how I am, who I am. So her and I were sitting in the hot tub. T- She's really into sitting in the hot tub now. And playing in there or whatever. And Edie didn't want to come, so it was just me and Rosie. We've got some one-on-one time. And she's playing in there and jumping and playing with bubbles. And I'm trying to get the kink out of my neck (laughs) from staining the the playset. Because I am a day over. How how many minutes did you spend doing it? Like a day? Doing this? An hour? The swing set? Yeah. It took me like... Did you use a sprayer? No. I don't know how to use that. I don't either. It's your dad's, but I don't, uh, but I it know. it didn't take me that long. But you know, I'm fragile because I'm hundred, and my neck always is bothering me. So I just pulled something anyway. Um, we'll work it all out in physical therapy <laughs> tomorrow. Um, anyway, she was playing in there, and she's like, "Oh, what the heck?" And then she looked at me, and she's like, "I'm sorry. I said heck. I didn't mean to. That's a bad word. Edie says it's a bad word. I'm like heck." That's not really like a bad word. Like, she's like, well, what one can't I say? I'm like, well, and then I made a choice. (laughs) As I do. Truth time, mom. With truth, we've been here before. I said, well, you can't say what the hell. And then she's like, oh, and she turns around. What the hell? What the hell? She's saying to herself. Now, then she turns back around. Mom. Now I'm just gonna, I'm saying this, but I'm not saying it. But I'm just saying it, but I'm not saying it. <laughs> but Edie told me, and so I thought that what the heck was the bad word, but we could say what the hell. <laughs> <laughs> and as, as a parent, it kind of makes you think like, well, it's really silly that. I know. I know. Someone that else, I was telling that story to, you they're like... say one and not the other. Or my other mom was like, why can't you say hell or whatever? I'm like, I guess I just don't want her saying it at preschool. <laughs> yeah, you just can't. It's the thing. You just can't say So then she proceeded to explain it as long as she could get away with saying hell. Mm. <laughs> so then I, I thought we couldn't say what the heck. So then I was saying what the hell. And then I was... I, I said, what the hell the other day? And she just kept saying, what the hell? And then finally I'm like, okay, I get it. You can stop saying it. But the important thing is, where are they getting what the hell from? Well, everybody knows where they're getting it. It's no secret. I, I don't it's think it comes out of my fault. mouth. It, it's, it's my fault. And so I guess I just, so anyway, I just thought it was funny. And I don't know if that's true or not about if they thought the heck was the swear word and hell wasn't. But she decided that was the hill she was going to kind of climb. And then she got to say hell quite a bit. <laughs> and that's Rosie. Yeah. She also, she's just really funny. And then she also, I've had her try something like yogurt 
new yogurt or something. How do you like it? Well, that's not really my jam. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, yeah, that was my, I was going to write that one down so I didn't forget it because that was pretty funny. They had their first day of um, gymnastics and cheerleading, which now we're officially broke because cheerleading ain't cheap. Did you know how much I, cheerleading costs? I knew we were, knew we were broke already before. <laughs> It's like, here, do you have a kidney or a liver that you would like to sell for this cheerleading costume? And then also for the bow. And then also for the shoes. <laughs> so, but you know, that got me thinking. It relates to this week's column about how much our community has changed. There, in this cheerleading and gymnastics class, they're back to back. And we have a great program in Watford for both of those things. And um, there was like 50 little girls in that particular class. But I read in the newsletter for the school that the first grade class, which is Edie's class, is the largest class we've ever had in Mackenzie County in Watford City. It's How 199 it? kids. Oh, I thought it was 200. It will be 200 tomorrow because they come they a come lot of after, yeah. after Labor Day. And I confirmed it with Heather, my friend who's on school board, and she's like, yeah, that's... So we likely will have a third elementary school coming in. But this week's column, I was had this kind of like weird epiphany. So down in the barnyard between the two places, Alex, Alex's place and our place, is the homestead place. And that's where the old barn is that we need to do something with in the cabin. And Chad and I, we talked about this when we lived in the um, old house there that my dad was raised in, and we talked about the fire. And so it's been about 10 years since we've been in this house, and about 10 years since the fire. And since the fire, the yard light has not been on because of the electrical. It just never got rewired. Yeah, never got. So there's only been like a porch light on the the um, little cabin and no yard light. And that seems like a thing that is not a thing, right? But when I was a kid, and I think I've said this when we were growing up, we were just kind of taught and told and, and we saw because we lived it. We lived in a community where people would move away and young people were told to go to bigger places. And that's kind of like this big narrative that we were we just kind of lived and when I left home at 17 I wrote a song and I'll, I'll put it on the end of this um on the end of this podcast called Heroes Proved with the idea that as I left and this is going to sound dramatic but this is <laughs> where my mind was I just kind of had this vision of all of these yard lights in our rural community just like going out one by one by one but that was that was what was happening and that's like what that, was happening. that was really what was happening and so then i went to college and i wrote this song called heroes proved about all of just about that kind of idea that we leave and empty out these rural places and no one comes back to them and that was a real story and narrative in the 90s of our rural communities and it still is in some places and um when I drove over the hill so bringing my kids home and my SUV from you know their activity in this town that's really bustling and 80s in a class of 27 kids it's they're bursting at the seams and I'm coming down through the draw 
it's still every time I come off of the highway down onto the, well, what was once a scoria pink road, you will, Edie, Rosie will say, see the, she'll see the, um, oh, the hay bales up on the highway and say, we're back at the ranch. Just like, that's what she says every time. And I feel that way too. When you come up over that hill and you can kind of see the whole place from that vantage point, I like to roll the windows down and just like let yeah. the air in. Yeah. And so it's I was like, kind ah, of like, okay, what's it smell like? You kind of smell the season change and you feel like the moment in time you're in and you feel like you're, 13 again or 12 again or just all of those things just kind of rush in through the door the window being open and so I was having that moment and it was getting dark and I came back up over the hill turned right at the mailboxes and I always check down at the cabin to see if there's anyone down there or what's going on at the barn and the yard light was on and I just was like I stopped in my tracks like the yard the yard light is on and then I just kind of like got welled up, of course, <laughs> but not for the reason necessarily that it was back on, but for the reason that like, I didn't notice that, that it, it wasn't, that it wasn't on. Right. And what did that mean about what was going on here? And so I kind of had to reflect on that and work through that because it was a big impactful moment. It will be the same sort of thing like when we take that barn down or when that house came down, when all of these like relics on the place that you think are so permanent or are so permanent in your memory, they either, they disappear or they change or things move on. And, and, and that yard light. And I was like, Oh, we're, it's back to life. We're, we're back to life out here. But I didn't even really have a sentiment about it being off because I think we popped up over the hill. We put a new yard light in, put a new house up, and we didn't have to think about it. But like, if we were coming back to the place from somewhere else and that yard light was off, then you would really be thinking about it, you know, because you're yeah, not living yeah. in it. And so it was kind of like, at the end of the column, like how interesting and weird it is to be totally wrong about the future of your community. And here we are living in, we're having all sorts of different issues. It sure isn't people leaving, I guess. Like Joe Dirt says, get get busy living or get busy dying. <laughs> I guess. And there are people, we've talked about this, but from all over the world. And so then we're, you know, standing and watching my girls in their gymnastics class. And we're trying to pick, me and my mom friends, like, what activities are they, are they going to do? Like, all these opportunities for them. They can be in swimming. They could be in soccer. They can be in gymnastics. That's, that's funny. I had the exact same conversation. So that elk trip has changed over the years. But mm -hmm. now it's like all the dad stories. <laughs> but I was talking to Mike about stuff, and I was like, you know, now kids can be like Edie wants to play soccer. Mm -hmm. She can play soccer. We don't right. have, like we've never had soccer before, but she's like, I really like soccer. Or, you know, they, we have swimming. We've mm -hmm. never had swimming. We have, we've had cheerleading, but it was more like just the cheer team for the sports. Now it's competitive cheerleading. Yeah. Like they, and they they're have, doing great. Yeah. I don't know. Everything that, that these people, that more people and more diverse people Cities bring with them. Cities think are just regular or yeah. whatever, but we didn't, we never had that and never thought we were going no. to have it. And that they've built their little programs around, you know, the leadership that they've 
found or they, and we're doing it even in my arts organization, you know, there's a woman who came to me and said, uh, in Mexico, we learned this folkloric dance and I want to teach it to the community. Can you help me do that? And we have 20 kids enrolled in this folk That's dance. That's pretty awesome. And we could make that happen because we have financial support. We have the support of the community. But like, what a weird thing. And we've talked about this before. Um, to kind of see it happen before your eyes, I guess. We were a generation, our generation did get gone. And then there's the gener- you know, the years behind us that never had to leave if they found that they could find a career and a path. And, and not very much behind us. No, like by a couple years. Yeah. So we have the perspective that some of the younger generation, even my little sister, maybe doesn't have because we saw a community what it looked like when it was quiet and maybe have more perspective because I was, you know, a daughter of an economic development person. (laughs) Um, but also as a traveling musician who sees parts of the, the country and parts of our state that sometimes you forget the kind of, uh, anomaly we live in, in a boom town where you go across North Dakota and you go to these little towns and like, oh yeah, this is like what Watford used to be like. And it's just a different animal. It's not sleepy in our community. Um, but yeah, we have a different set of challenges. But anyway, so that, but it's funny how like a little metaphor that I've kind of been honing or it just kind of lives in my mind and lives in my memory and lives as a, as a way to kind of explain the way it was just like, shone literally right in my eyes right over the hill and I was like oh and then I've also been finding like all of these little clues because you and I have been dad and the family have been scheming about how we can get guests out here in the next step for this place to diversify and um business and and tell our story of agriculture and just get people interested in coming out here but like I've been seeing all of these signs pointing just constantly to like, this is the path. This is what you should be doing. We got to get there. We're going to get there. But that light turning back on was like, okay, already I'll get my crap together. Like it's a sign or whatever. Anyway. So that's what, um, this, this week's column was about. And, um, yeah. And then also just, yeah, we've had some major milestones like you turning 40, (laughs) um, and then we would recently attended one of our really good friends. Dad's died. His dad died. And I know we've had some classmates who've lost parents, but it's been a little bit more like, what's, how do I say this? Like they died young. It was, un- it was unexpected. It was like a thing that happened that doesn't happen. But we're entering this stage in our life where parents are dying they're moving on and it's like we're not in the phase of our life where people are getting married or people are having babies we're in this next phase where we're talking about what happens to the family business beyond our parents or what happens to the family well, ranch we, beyond you know we're parents. late we're late to the party so we also have a lot of younger friends or younger mm-hmm. people that we're with because of the sure family life and kids and like your sister's younger but we have friends whose kids are graduated. Yeah, we've talked about that. Like too. that's mind blowing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, but the phase where you're like, 
and you just said it tonight. We're talking about, you know, next generation planning and estate planning and, um, you know, these are real conversations that we need to be having. Things that, yeah, things that you, you know, I mean, you always know that that's going to happen, but it's like sometime distant in the yeah. future. And it's like, then all of a sudden a few things happen and you're like, maybe we like, we yeah. need to do this kind of now, yeah. you know, like at least have serious, not just, you know, someday we'll do this and someday, you know, mm-hmm. this is kind of the broad plan. We kind of need to have like the real plan. Right. And that just hits you when certain things like oh, that like happen that. and you're like, you're oh, sitting in oh, your man. friend's dad's funeral and you're like, oh my gosh, wasn't it just yesterday when he picked us up off the side of the road because we hit a deer and didn't say anything, didn't give us shit about it. Just like, you know, these little memories of these figures that are in your life as, as your friend's parents. Mm-hmm. And then they're not there anymore. And it's just like, you know, another, another one of our friends just lost her mother. And it's like, oh, we're in this phase of our life. And we've been so lucky that both of our, like our kids have both sets of grandparents. Like that's such a big blessing. That's not necessarily the longevity that our grandparents had. Which is kind of, I mean, you're, you have a little bit different story on, on your side, sort of not your dad lost his parents. Yeah, we lost my grandma. Both of my parents lost their parents early. Mm -hmm. My grandma was here for a while, but he, he went through, like my dad lost his dad and his stepdad. When he was really young. And then my mom lost both of her parents when she was just a little, little kid. Right. And so, so she was raised by her grandparents. Like, we never have to see, like, I didn't even see my parents go through this step. Like, sure. You know, you didn't get that. Well, that's. You never got true. that far. Because even, like, when my dad lost his parents, um, when he lost, when we lost Grandpa Pete, I was six, maybe. And Grandma Edie, I was 11. So there's memories of that, but. I had that moment when dad was really sick. And I think we talked about it before where I was like 36 and I was the age that my dad was when he lost his mom. And it was like, I can't be 36 and not have a dad. But like that was, you know, so real for was a real a thing. A lot of people, that's, yeah. that's the reality. And nothing launches you maybe out of, I don't know. Like, when do you really feel, I think we talked about this before, but when do you feel like you're an adult? Well, 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 the funny part is, is, you know, I mean, it's not funny, but the, the dichotomy to that is like your parents are just now talking about some of this stuff with your mom's parents. Because mm-hmm, they have a lot, so, long like, life. Then you just look at that and say, mm-hmm. yeah, well, yeah, we had long time, right. you know, but that's... Not, not that's rare that's that you rare. live into your mid to late 80s in really good health. That's they celebrated not into their 60th, like 63rd or something wedding anniversary on September 5th. Yeah, married over 60 years, and yeah, that's not really what everyone gets. Um, it, yeah, it would have been higher than that. Yeah, probably. Your mom's older than that. Oh, sure. So, what are they 60? It would have been like 67. I was going to say 67, but that seemed so... 67 or 68 because... they're in their own Your mom's 80, 66. In their so, 80s. I mean, d- disregard that. She's not. She's like <laughs> 30, 39 <laughs> my or 40. Mom, my mom, we don't know how old she is. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so this time like ticking, 
I guess in a change of a season, it always gets me too. You know, our girls are in new school year, new school clothes, new phases. They really mark the ticking of time too. They're not babies anymore. No, I um, think Edie's taller than she was when I left. She's like grown five, so like much. She's just she's shooting so like a weed. They just hit all these like milestones and change and grow. And tonight she was having a hard time falling asleep. I think she's just way tired. Rolling around, rolling around. Then her, I fall asleep. Then she wakes me up. Mom, how does gravity pull on us so fast, so hard? Like, how did you answer that? I'm curious <laughs> about this. <laughs> it's like a magnet. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I answered it at nine o'clock when I'd already been sleeping. But yeah, these questions. <laughs> she's. Then she said something about a string, and then I don't know. I'm like, you have to go to sleep. Because you you're going to have to brush up because she's now in first grade, and she's going to be doing like that the stuff. The science is beyond. Um, you're not You're not, not up to speed on first grade science. No, you're just, I'm not up to speed on. No, you're not not up to speed. Double negative on that one. Not not? What's like, that mean? Like you are up to speed on first grade science. Oh, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to own that. I don't know. I don't know well, how they're doing not, there. If you're not, then you are helping with homework. Because <laughs> I need to learn to. You don't have to know the molecular structure. <laughs> no, but things I didn't retain. <clears throat> Science. Science. <laughs> <laughs> Algebra. Mm, not, math, not a strong suit. Edie loves math. She so does love she's math. She's your she's child. She's really good at it. Yeah, and she's good at it and she loves it. I've already gotten like kindergarten math wrong. So let's just own our strengths. <laughs> own our strengths. It's clear we need to be a team. And then the other thing I've been really like, just, I don't know, when I think it's a season change too, but just having some songs that I wanted to finish and songs I wanted to write. And... Ooh, some new stuff? Yeah, I did. Oh, so the, the guys are telling me when they're out there, they love just putting your CD in and listening no. to a whole CD. They do it all the time. They do? Yep. That's kind of Like weird. Lee and Eric cruise down the road or go fishing. They throw in your CD. And, <sighs> it's our they college like, friend. Because you never, you never do a CD anymore. No. So then they're like, oh, yeah, we just put the CD and listen to the whole CD. <laughs> Mine? Yep. That really is cute. But I'm not, in, not expected at all. <laughs> yeah, they love it. Oh, that's funny. But, you know, the thing about being a mom and <clears> a creative person... Of course, I write a column every week, and I always like to be working on a project. And I did the children's book and when the girls were obviously around and inspired me. And then I did Coming Home when Edie was a baby. Um, but to write music for me, I need to be complete. I need to be alone. I need to be in quiet. I need to have some momentum. Oh, there hasn't been much of that there, lately. There's not that. Unless I'm out on a walk or whatever, but then no songs, ideas have come, but no songs been complete. Honestly, I've written maybe three or f maybe three complete songs since the girls were born. Playing favorites album was songs that I was inspired by but didn't write. So I feel like I have another album in me, but every time I do one, I'm like, this is the last one. But I have, I have another one that I want to do, or at least a few, like a handful of songs that I'll put down. So I got to work on that. They're getting girls are getting older, so there's more space for it. But literally, they have to be. If I really want to write, they have to be out of the house because yeah, I'll start my with my guitar. And this happened because we had Ada, cousin Ada, over quite a bit, and I went upstairs to our, our bedrooms in like a loft, so you can kind of still hear. And 
I started like working on things. Pretty soon, the girls, one head peeks around the corner, another one, a third one. They have a ukulele, a tiny guitar, oh, a keyboard. That happened <laughs> just, just before I left. So if I'm with the girls, I'll be like doing the dishes or cleaning up or, or nothing, but just around the house. And they're playing and doing their thing and they're downstairs or whatever. So I yell downstairs, like, I'm going in the driveway. Mm. In case you need me, I'll be, I'm in the front yard. I'm not upstairs. So mm-hmm. don't run around looking for me in the house. So I go out and I was shooting my bow. And <laughs> I, not even maybe 20 minutes later, <laughs> Rosie comes wandering out, kind of like if she could whistle, she'd be doing the whistle <laughs> walk. And she looks at me, what you doing? I'm like, I'm shooting my bow. Yeah? Getting any bullseyes? <laughs> <laughs> and then what? She goes and gets her bow. Yep, yep. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I guess I'm done shooting my bow. <laughs> but that's Hope like, I got the practice. I, <laughs> I mean, that's so much parenthood because it's like what you, what I wanted, you know, for my kids is to like include them in those things. But like when you get down to the nitty gritty, uh, like I can't get this thought moved forward and they're pretty soon strumming on the guitar singing at the top of their lungs while bouncing on my exercise ball it's all gone to hell yeah and but that one night was stinking cute and I was writing I wrote a song after that big blizzard in April and I just had like an idea and I actually went for sometimes I write so people ask me always ask songwriters like what's your process but honestly for someone like me who's not a full-time songwriter um it just songs happen in totally different ways all the time. So you might have an idea come to you in a moment and then you sit down and write a whole song. Like my book, Prairie Princess was totally like that. There's been plenty of songs where you just like can churn them out. And then there's been some that you just work on an idea for a long time. One of them that I finished yesterday when the girls were at mom and dad's, I finished it. It had been a song probably in the making for since we moved into this house so 10 years and then I just couldn't quite get it and then I got it finished you're gonna have to title that one Game of Thrones (laughs) it takes you 10 years to finish to finish a three and a half minute song (laughs) (laughs) and I have songs like that on my album like Green Grass is that way well you have ones that your dad started Mm -hmm. and then 20 or 25 years later you finished sundown was a song that he i finished for him when i went to college and he probably wrote it when he was out of college so they all take on i think they come to fruition when they need when you when you have in you what you need to complete it um but oh i know what i was saying so i was writing that song and i was really on a roll so i really wanted to keep focus in about the April blizzard and the girls creep upstairs and then I'm like okay you guys can listen but like just I'm just stay a little quiet here and so pretty soon then they get their notepad remember and they Mm -hmm. wrote their own song Mm -hmm. that kind of sounded like mine and came downstairs and performed it for you and Rosie had all the words and it was stinking cute one of them was really good too it was like catchy the real ones are curious to see which one or if any of them turns into so, someone that wants to do music So is or that create. something you want them to do? Because a lot of people say, like, if you're Excuse a me. soldier, you don't want your kids to be a soldier. If you're, you know, mm. a 
an artist. You don't want your kids to be an artist because you, you know, know the struggle the stuff. Struggle or sometimes people really, really yeah. push the other direction. They're like, I did this, so I really want yeah. to do Like, what's your thoughts on that? So I have a couple thoughts on that because I've obviously think about it. I have such a great story, memories, life doing music with my dad. Sure. Like yeah. that's been a thread in my life since I was a little kid. It continues to this day. We hit the road together. He plays music. I play music with him. We've always done it. So that's like so special. It has been wonderful. There's not been one thing about that that hasn't been just great in my life. But I do remember having this, you know, when you're an emotional kid like I was and really like, introspective songwriting and writing and music for me was just like so mysterious and so what's the word it just pulled on me so much that it was almost like a little bit of torture <laughs> because I couldn't not do it and I just wanted to be good enough at it I just wanted to make it like matter to someone other than me um if that if that even makes sense so I have memories of being like, I just want to be like a normal person, <laughs> like an, that wants to be an accountant because <laughs> being an accountant would be a lot easier than trying to make it in a creative business where it's all, um, what's the word, subjective. It's all, nothing's matter of fact, but I could never be that person because it's not who I am. Not without being a different person. I'm not that like, person. Like you want to want to, but you no. like you have like I think it's like oh. I want to want to run. I <laughs> just don't want to run. Like I really want to know, want like, to run right now too. I just you know, like I want to want to <laughs> yeah. work out and that's just right. not happening. Like I just I'm not Well it's kind of like what you say about you working with your hands in like wouldn't life be easier if you had a desk job and you were like, yeah, you call the guy to fix a thing. Yeah. But you can't, but you can't be that guy because you're the guy that fixes the thing. And like, I'm the person that mills on it, that wants to create something out, wants to tell the story. And it was not easy for me as a kid to be the one that was like pursuing this. It's torturous in a way, but it's also given me, I don't know if I'm articulating that, very well, but for example, no, like, it's the thing you love the most in the world, but also that's it's the hard path, it's like, hard, it's not the easy path, it's not the set path, it's not like you No, because you, when and I remember there's no steps like you do this and then you do no, this and you just there absolutely isn't, it's work just a, your windy way a, through it. It's a grind, but it's also like when the moments are good moments when you have when you get to a level or you get to the thing that you the festival or the showcase or you have a really good gig or you create write a song you're proud of then that's just all that's why you do it um but you also I mean I lived in a time where you weren't putting you didn't put stuff out there you had to get and I think I've talked about this before you had to get in your car you had to drive you had to send physical press packets in the mail like the way people heard you was you going to them obscurely and saying like here I'm this North Dakota chick here I am in Wisconsin listen to me but now there's a lot of different ways a million different ways to get your voice heard but um that yeah, wasn't you missed taylor swift by like <laughs> she's like three years younger than you well i really was and I, that was the difference i was really in a time 
that it was not easy for singer-songwriters to get. And, that. and there was a phase, I mean, some people have always liked live music. That's just some, sure. pe- some people, but there we were was in definitely the iPod a phase, phase where mm-hmm. people didn't. There was, wasn't I, as much, many bands. Because we were like pre-iPod even. Well, I remember stuff, being in people college. just didn't like... No, we weren't. Go there wasn't as much music. live there music. It just wasn't live music. Nobody went to live music. It was music. more like DJs. And then I remember yeah. traveling, and it was when everyone started going from the disc man to like the iPod when we were in college. College. Yeah. yeah. And that's when I was touring and sitting and going and traveling across the country and going to college campuses. That's where I would play and what I would get booked at. And looking across the cafeteria or the whatever, the wherever I was playing and like people had their iPods and their earphones in. They were probably listening to books on tape. (laughs) Yeah, right. And I'm like, oh, this is, I just am not in the right era or whatever. And then someone would yell at me, play Freebird. That always happened. Did that really happen? Like, oh, I know we always say that, no, but did. did that actually happen? In, in, I can picture like all the cafeterias in which a funny 19-year-old boy mm, would yell, sure. play Freebird. So, your to dad kind of tells that story too. Like, but in a band? People, always. Somebody would always scream out, smoke on the water. Smoke on the water or Freebird. It was like someone was planted in that space to yell that to you. And it's like, dude, do I look like I can play Freebird? <laughs> but, but anyway, to answer your question, I always said, and I like your answer about what you want the girls to be. I just want them to find something that brings them like joy that they can get into. And if I'm like a serial entrepreneur, it's in my blood because of who my parents are. And so I've turned everything I loved into a job. Um, and so that can be problematic too, in a way. But it's so much of what I do is so much part of my identity. And now that I'm reaching this age, I like, it's all coming together and it's making sense and I wouldn't have it any other way. But it was one of those things where I remember even graduating college, I got out in four years, have a communication degree, very logical, moved back home, moved back here. We got married and I was working in that, in this new restaurant in town and one of our, just someone, a local guy, whatever, business owner, I was waiting table, waiting on his table, and he looks at me and goes, four years of college, and you're waiting tables. And, like, I had bigger dreams about my music and was working on that. But, like, I had to do some of those jobs so I could do music. And I just felt, like, so... Well, piss me off. It was a nice thing to say. Yeah, and he thought but it was also funny. There's truth to it. But. Yeah, it wasn't wrong. But, like, he didn't know my story. And then I also fueled me to be like, well, all right, I'll show you. And then I remember that night going home and being like, okay, I'm either doing this music or I'm not doing this music stuff. This other thing I'm doing is the thing I'm doing because I'm doing music and I'm going to show him. And then I just you know, whatever went on the road a little bit harder and figured it out. But it's never been an easy thing. Even now, like sitting at this, you're looking at my stack of all this music I was working on. And it's like, well, should I do another one? Is it worth it? Why am I doing this? I think you just do it because you have to. I don't know. You have to. I think you have to. Mm -hmm. Like it's just... Because it's not really about, for me, if I make another album, I'm not making necessarily more money unless there's some sort of 
anomaly that takes off in the song. But I do, it does mean I have another project to hit the road with and more stories to tell and more content. No, it's just part of, your, like who, it's part of who you are. You have to do it because, you know, I mean, obviously when you're getting more jobs, you're making more money, but mm-hmm. it makes life way harder. Oh, like, yeah, and you're working more, so you're gone more. Like you're just gone. <laughs> I know. It's you know, like, like, which yeah. is good. Yeah, it's just a but very... But it's also like that part, like yeah. so success is not easy either. You no. Know? Success or not like it. It's a. That's why I was wondering about. Yeah. Like, do you wish that? It's like I've heard other musicians say, "Well, it's a blessing and a curse, mm-hmm. all wrapped it into is. one." It's like the greatest thing and the worst thing, yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing I've always said: nothing in this life is no, black like, and white, and it there's all it's complicated. It's like building stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. you were saying about me. Like my only equivalent is because I am not that kind of artistic but or anything, have, but. A thing it, that you do but it's like that you, you are, cannot do. Then you, then if you do it, then you get yourself into a place where you literally can't not, not do, do it. it. Like you have to because you are. You built your life around you it. You set too. it up that way, so that's yeah. what you're doing. And that's what you know. You know you're when, building a house. If I stop right now, then we have a half a house. Right. You know, and and also no job. <laughs> yeah, and there are. We've always said this though. There's always a way to change your circumstance and in to a degree so yeah and you just said that to me when I was complaining about things before we turned the microphone on like you can do anything else and like but I can't do anything else (laughs) but this has been my constant but you've been with me since I was a kid so you've seen me through it all and it goes in waves and phases and yeah anyway so I'm in yeah I don't know I just mostly, if anything with music, I would want my girls to, to just enjoy it. And I've been through that, even with talking with, you know, going through it with my dad. Like when he, when he brought his band together as, you know, an older person, it was all in the name of doing music for fun now. And that's the point of it. And like from somebody who I, I absolutely can't like, and I want to be able to so bad but no matter how bad I want to, it's not mm-hmm. in the cards for me. I hope that they can, whether they mm-hmm. actually yeah, do, do it. pursue it. Mm-hmm. I just hope that they have the ability. So if they do nothing more than right, sing than at that church, they can or, or sing, yeah. yeah, sing at church, or maybe if they want to fiddle around, write songs mm-hmm. that nobody ever hears, mm-hmm. but they don't care if anyone hears right. it. You know, if they want to do it, then do it. But just the option of being, well, they have that to... outlet. Like I don't yeah. have. I have outlets, but not that kind of an outlet. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't draw, I can't right. sing, I don't write. Like, that yeah. artistic side, like, I want to be able to do those things. I just, and I suppose, you know, you'd argue, well, if you worked hard at it, if you tried hard mm-hmm. enough, well, yeah, but I just want to be able to fill it with it. I don't <laughs> well, want to try like that drive hard you. you. know, like, I don't Because yeah. there are guitar players that, that will, they just can't not, like my, like Mike, who plays with me, he can't not play the guitar. Right. Or however. And like, because I could learn to play the guitar. He, I, and I've like, learned like basis, like the most basis of basics. Yeah. But it's like, but in like, this I have to manner. try so hard and then yeah. I have too many other things that I right. want to do more, basically. But these That's what it really comes down to. phenomenal musicians, you know, I would argue I'm not necessarily that way with my musicianship, but I am that way in my storytelling. Like, me mm-hmm. writing and trying to capture these moments and try to. That's more what drives my mus- music than a- than anything else. It's not. 
well, and I love to perform and, and things too, but the story of it, I always say I wouldn't right. be doing it if I wasn't. So, but the idea that the girls would have an outlet that way is very, like, I would want that for them. And for me, how I started and why I think I did it and continue to do this in the first place is that mm-hmm. I, I knew I liked to write, but I did just what you said. Didn't care. I did it for myself. Right. And so when it came out that maybe other people would want to hear it, it changed a little bit the way that I presented music to the world too, especially when you're going through like, you know, you're growing up and you're starting to be aware that people are aware of you, you know, it changes the way you write. Some of the, you know, most fun I've had writing is when no one ever is going to ever see it. And it's just for you. Sure. And then that's like the most yeah, I think the biggest gift that that kind of creativity can give to a young kid is like it just gives them a way to be so fully themselves or so fully outside of themselves that they can like forget all of the shit that comes along with being a kid. So that really saved me that way. Um, so I hope, yeah, they'll find something. But yeah, just thinking about even taking them to gymnastics and taking them to cheerleading and talking to, you know, we just started talking, talking to my mom, friends about what they're doing with their kids. It's all in the name uh, for me. And I think you agree just helping them find what they like, who they are. As long as it's not hockey. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Jared. (laughs) We have, our neighbors have kids are in hockey and they're really, really good. So yeah, they're, really, really good. That's their passion. And that becomes kind of the life that they follow. But that's kind of, kind of going back to, there's so many other opportunities for our kids. But when I was a kid, I was home and I had music and I had that guitar and I had my pink carpet and I had all this space. And that's like, I'm not saying I didn't get to be in basketball or get to do after school stuff, but I was home alone, alone, not alone, but alone without my peers, without a schedule, without everything planned. Without a phone or an iPad. Yeah, that or, I mean, was what like I had. There was a phone, but it was attached to the wall, and it was right. the family's And phone. it wasn't like, that's not what was taking my a, attention. That's a big, a big difference of people are, you know, people our age have problems with being able mm-hmm. to peel themselves well, out of yeah. the pretend world and do something real. Well, and finding your, and I was just thinking that, when you were gone too, it was more quiet time, just one less person in the house, whatever. And I've had to help myself now find quiet moments, moments to be introspective, moments to just sit because I now have a bazillion more distractions than I even did 10 years ago. My dad always talks about, it's like one of the, one of the greatest advice things I think I've ever got from him, but he always, and I don't think he even intentionally did it, but you know, there's a lot of people that are really into watching football. Mm-hmm. And I like football. I, play, I played it. And I really like it. But he would he never watched football when we were growing up. He said, well, you want to watch somebody else live their life or you want to go live your own? Mm-hmm. And that was kind of his thing is like, you could sit on the couch and watch somebody right. do their dream or you go find make yours, your do your own thing. Like, make your life. Yeah. It's way funner. Like, you know, I don't remember any game that anybody else has ever played other than me. Yeah. Or, you know, like, right. I remember watching a thing that was like, oh, that was so great mm-hmm. when that guy did that above any minuscule thing that I've done. Like, oh, yeah, but I, you know, not to compare me to any of them, but 
-hmm. your own life is so much better than well your own, yeah so I, your I guess own. my point being I want to pass that on whether it's music for them mm -hmm. or it's gymnastics or it's whatever the mm -hmm. thing is but do the thing, thing. Do well thing. and the biggest Find challenge anything. that our generation of parents is faced with is helping our kids be fine in the quiet mm -hmm. and that I had no choice about so I wonder if I was raised in a different generation if I was Edie will she would I would I have found my voice would I have found I, this you know I think you would in a like, different just way. because of the way you are like you yeah you would have sought that out but yeah there's just different outlets too like I would have had I would have loved to have had access to all of these musicians that we have access to now and see what they're doing and be influenced by them and share my work it would have been embarrassing because it would have been well, out there yeah but you, you would have done it entirely differently, differently yeah. but I don't think there's a I mean I don't know but I don't think there's a world in which that's not part of your life. Yeah. So I guess also when you're thinking about our kids, like there's something in them that just is innately in them that you can nurture. But I think by giving them, yeah, we're scheduling them, getting them in things, but giving them some space to find it, I think is going to be really important. Like, like I can't imagine a world that I grew up in where I don't see the cliff by the water and jump off the cliff. <sighs> like I just don't. I can imagine see every that scenario where I see a cliff where and I don't jump off it. <laughs> No, you're right. Yeah, it's too that's close to flying. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And then I see our girls, and I'm wondering what parts of them are cliff jumpers and what and number crunchers, and what parts of them are are songwriters, and you know maybe they're none of those things, and well, they're so scientists. Like, you know, you know Edie's personality manifests super easily because she will wear. The, like the fanciest, prettiest princess mm -hmm. dress with her nails all done while she's diving in the mud to catch a frog. Mm -hmm. Like she wants wants to be pretty doing it or whatever, you know, like do the princess thing, but like not a castle princess. Right. Like she's she's a rescue herself princess. Yeah, she know. just wants to yeah. She well, that's just she's an example of how much if you just don't mess with it or if you try not to mess with it too much, <laughs> they kind of become who they are. And so that's, um, yeah, and as they're getting older and you can have those conversations with them about gravity. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> and about my particular I don't, hairstyle. I don't think you guys want to hear it, but when we get done this year, I'm definitely going to ask you about gravity. <laughs> Listen, I learned about it in my mind. You're not? There's a core in my mind. It's a magnet. <laughs> yeah? And... That's all. I, yeah, that's all. I don't know why. I don't know how. Well, I don't know enough. how why we get pulled back to the earth so fast as what, what Edie was asking me. It just is. It's just what the sky is blue for a reason. Here's a pop, I don't know here's a pop quiz for you. Great. Do you know how fast? No. 52 something. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a five and a two in a number. There's a nine and an eight. Oh, that's wrong. I think I'm thinking about how many feet in a mile or something. That's right. Okay. That's right. 98 what? What? 9.8 meters per second squared. That's gravity. That means nothing to me. <laughs> Does that mean something to you? Yes. So you're getting pulled down. Yeah, I'm 
So every, you just keep going that much faster and faster yeah. and faster until you hit terminal velocity, and that's as fast as you can go <laughs> because of the wind resistance. And then she falls asleep. <laughs> Drop so, a little knowledge on you, and that's all I know about that. <laughs> that's the difference between you and me. You retain that shit. I cannot, because I just, ugh, I can't, vis- I don't know. And also, I'm like, why do we need to know that? I suppose if you're you building know, airplanes. <laughs> yeah, you need to know that gravity exists. Yeah, for my purpose, gravity exists. Yep. That's all I need to know. If I were going to be some sort of rocket scientist or scientist, which we already established at the top of the hour, not interested in, then I can I, talk that's, gravity. That's wonderful because those rockets would not be going anywhere. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> They'd be pretty. They'd be pretty. <laughs> They'd be well painted. <laughs> they have a mural on them. Oh, we definitely have a rocket with a mural. Who decided that? Well, <laughs> I don't know why they have to be plain. Plain, I don't yeah. Know. I'd jazz it up a little bit. Uh, well, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad the porch light, yard light's on. We're into another week of parenting these young children's. Yeah, we're getting to where we're halfway through the week. Yeah. Yep. We're not, but we're almost. We will be by the time I get this one posted. <laughs> um, so we'll see. You're going to chase cows tomorrow without me. No. My mom texted. We're waiting until you get home. No, you didn't. Say I that. said you get home by nine, we'll go. So Nine I told, in the morning? I told everybody nine. Because you you'll be home. You did not tell me that because I can't do it. I'm going to have to retell him that you can't then. You don't have to wait for me. That's very nice. Just do your thing. I'll just complain about it. Because every time you go riding without me, I'm I know. That's be what pissed. you always say. So I told all the guys and everybody, I'm like, well, if we wait till nine, Jesse can go. Now, now I'm a pain. Now I'm the person that's changing the plans. No, that is the plan. Because now my mom is like, she doesn't want to bring the kids in at 730 in the morning. You are going to. No, because she just offered. Anyway, we'll figure this out. <laughs> now you guys are getting to hear a real deal. <laughs> now we're fighting again. Um, okay, well, glad you're back. Bye, love you, bye. Bye, love you, bye. There hasn't been a yard light in the barnyard of the homestead place for almost 10 years. It went out when we took the old house down after a fire, and we didn't get around to rewiring it. When the house went, so did we. We left the barnyard and moved up over the hill to a new house, and so no one lives there full-time. We just work there now. We saddle up, feed horses, bring the bulls in, ride the ponies. When I left home at 17, I had this vision of all the yard lights in my rural community going out, one by one by one behind me as I drove away and kept driving. In my lifetime, at that time, I had only seen things getting quieter out here. I saw old neighbors packing up and moving to town. I saw schools close and businesses come and go and come and go. I saw star football players heading to college and not looking back. We were told not to look back, unless it was to reflect, on a simple upbringing in a less complicated time, in a place where work ethic and sacrifice are badges of honor, because it makes you employable, you know, having come from a small place, heading off to the big places. But don't come back here. Not when you're young. Not when there's more opportunity, more money to be made in places where the streetlights and stoplights replaced yard lights long ago. Last week, in the dark, 
I pulled my car off the highway and followed my headlights down the big hill on the gravel road past my parents' place and across the cattle guard. It's at this point in my drive, if the weather's cooled down or warmed up, depending, that I like to roll my window down to catch the scent of the little valley with the cattails in the stock tank. It smells like cool summer nights riding home for moving cows or long walks through the draws after a day that tried to break me. It smells like plum blossoms or cattle watering, fresh cut hay or the thaw or the cold coming in, you know, like the scent of snow. It smells like home and I try to catch it when I can, when I think of it, when I need to be reminded who I am and why I'm here. And then up another big hill to the mailboxes and grain bins, I take a right turn into my drive and then look to my left at the sky past the buttes to see what the stars are doing and then down to the barnyard and then, well, look at that. The light was on. Dad got the light back on. It caught me so off guard, that yard light once again illuminating the scoria drive, the barn a shadow behind it, the little guest cabin that replaced the old house, waiting, now under its watch, for someone to come slip through the gate and under its covers. And I wasn't expecting it, but I remembered then that my dad did tell me that the electricians were coming and some old wiring was going to be replaced. I didn't connect the yard light to that information, I guess, but what took me most aback was my reaction to it. It stopped me in my tracks. It bubbled a lump in my throat. Memories of pulling into my grandma's yard as a little kid sleeping shotgun in my dad's pickup for a weekend trip, and then as a ranch kid leaving the place after a family supper, or after a long ride, or a late day helping or running wild past our bedtime with the cousins when my grandparents were still alive, and we were all young, all of us, and we paid no mind to how anything would ever change that. Seeing that light on made me realize I didn't think of its absence at all, really. Not the way I thought I would. When it went out, it was just gone, and life carried on. We put a new yard light in over the hill and felt lucky, and maybe that's why. I didn't have to mourn it, because the story I was told as a kid about this place, it turns out that we got it all wrong. Because look at me. I'm 39 now and driving my children home in the dark. And in front of me, the yard light glows like beacons of hope for the future. Drink the 
generations of a simple sacred land and his heart shines through a second youth and I'd give my voice to go back there just to breathe beneath the prairie air but drifting don't Coffee on